This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. And it is an important day, everybody. Very important day. It's not important today because our U.S. Senate is selling us out and selling Americans down the uh, proverbial um, high-spending river. That's not the big deal. The big deal is not that uh, President Biden has said he's looking for his lawyers to tell him how he has legal authority to tell every school that they must mask all students. He's looking at that. Of course, he is. His wife is a teacher's union uh, uh, operator and a member. So none of that is as important as what I'm about to tell you. And I hope you will listen to this. I hope you will go and find the way to see this video, you may realize, and the media is not covering it again, of course, the mainstream media, but there is an event happening in this country. It's happening in South Dakota, and it's hosted by none other than Mike Lindell. Mike Lindell, the very famous businessman who has had massive success, one of the greatest marketers in the history of uh, American life. He's uh, been incredibly uh, talented, incredibly successful at, uh, at sales. He's also got an American story that's uh, it's right up there with uh, all the rest of the great stories of rags to riches and overcoming adversity and a humility. Well, he started a website, and I was there. I was the day, there he, the day he launched it in Memphis, Tennessee. I was invited by Mike to go there. I've only met him a few times, um, and I was invited, though, down to, to Memphis, Tennessee. He launched what's called frankspeech.com. Frank Speech is his uh, voice. He calls it the voice for free speech. It's both a broadcasting platform and a social media media platform. And right now it's only doing broadcast. He's working on the rest of it. But he's an extraordinary guy. And today he's in South Dakota. These days, uh, two and a half, three days in South Dakota. He's got a bunch of guests. And you're seeing some of the names. He's got some politicians. He's uh, Steve Bannon was by. But that's not what you need to know. What you need to know today is you need to watch the 22-minute video that was produced by um, Mike Lindell as part of this cyber uh, security summit that he's having. And when you watch this, you will and should be stunned. It's the best. I have had lots of complaints about the way people have messaged things, the way they've gone about the approach in terms of uh, of what you can, um, uh, how you can talk about things. I've, th- I've thought that there's been a real weakness in terms of President Trump's post-November 3rd team and his vision. He didn't empower a leader or maybe two leaders to be in charge, and it's sort of flailed around. Well... Mike Lindell has done the best job I've seen about putting together a clear message in 22 minutes about approximately uh, of the uh, of a video that is over started out on I started out on frankspeech.com and the video is called Your Wake Up Call from the Cyber Symposium. And actually I'll be honest with you, that's not a great title. You know, when you think of titles, titles are important. Not a great title. You, your Wake Up Call from the Cyber Symposium. Maybe Wake Up Call, that's probably pretty good. But anyway, the the video is 22 minutes long and it is extraordinary and it opens and is narrated by a man named Phil Waldron Phil Waldron and Phil Waldron is I think a retired is it maybe he's a colonel he's a US army colonel I think he was in the reserves he's a very bright man intelligence officer I think but he's been out there for a while talking commentating and all he's not without his positions by the way he's a more conservative than not I would say but I don't even know But on this issue, he speaks, first of all, with 
<laughs> he sounds and looks like an authority. But then he goes through what happened after the election. He goes through and, and, and the videos, video images of people like Jennifer Wexton, the congresswoman from Northern Virginia. She says, basically, they hacked into the machines and they switched votes. She means after 2018, by the way. She doesn't mean after 2020. But now, you know, Kamala Harris in 2019 saying, hey, these elections can be fixed and rigged and the systems aren't secure. And now all these people won't even let you talk about it, not even talk about it. So here's the thing about this. Mike Lindell has done it again. Whenever they doubt this guy, he, he, he outperforms them. He has taken this debate, in my mind, and he's helped galvanize it. Now, they're still racing to try to shut him down, right? His, his website's being hacked all the time. He's in a lawsuit. They sued him. Dominion did and others. But what he lays out in this video and what Phil Waldron says, you just have to watch it. And here's my challenge to you. Watch it and say to yourself, is there reasonable doubt? Is there reasonable doubt about 2022? Excuse me, 2020. When you finish, I think you'll say, I mean, I'm going to just leave it at that. Go and see. And when you finish, you'd say to yourself, who's telling the big lie? Is the big lie that there was something wrong with the 2020 election? Or is the big lie when the media and the Democrats tell you, well, there's nothing. It was perfect. It was perfect. Which is the big lie? Which is, you know, statistically more likely to be the big lie? Well, when you watch, I think when you watch this video, and, and you know, look, you should watch it. I could be wrong. I could be. I always tell people, you know, be, be humble in your judgments. I could be wrong. I don't think I am. But you go and watch this. And what he's got is not just the sort of details of the mess of what they did and the doubts. And by the way, I don't think Mike Lindell, I don't know. I never asked him. I don't know if he would say, here's the definitive case proved in court. I think what he would say is, here's a lot of really reasonable doubt. Here's a lot of really serious questions. Here's a lot of reasons to wonder. Therefore, let's get to the bottom of it. I mean, sometimes some of the experts that have been on uh, on, on Mike Lindell's uh, frankspeech.com have been pretty good. And you say to yourself, well, that looks like they got that figured out in that county. But in general, I think what Mike is saying is, I know sales, I know systems, I know how things work. Maybe that's the best thing. Mike Lindell is a guy who knows how things work. When he looks at the election, he says to himself, doesn't look like that works. And that's, I think, what you, what you, anyway, you should watch it. You should watch this video. I'll put it up on social media. It's only over on Rumble because they say they're, you know, all the big, uh, all the big, um, uh, big tech, big media and big government is shutting down, uh, the voices. And Rand Paul is off of YouTube for a week for effectively saying, I sure think we should not, you know, be governed by the people who are telling us mask mandates when they couldn't figure out whether masks worked or vaccinations worked or whatever. So Rand Paul, who's a U.S. senator, Again, I think there ought to be a sort of a, I'll be honest, there ought to be a different scale of, of silencing people if you're a U.S. senator. In other words, he's elected by the whole state of Kentucky to have a voice. He's in the U.S. Senate to have a voice. YouTube is deciding who gets it. Of course, not surprising. YouTube shut down uh, Donald Trump, too, when he was a sitting president. So it's not they're being at least YouTube's being consistent at deciding they're going to silence people they don't like. But anyway, but back to my point here is please go and, and find more about the Cyber Symposium and watch this video on Rumble. I'll put it up on my social media accounts, but you should find it. It's only 22 minutes and 54 seconds. It goes fast. Again, it lays it out. Here's what I started to say. It lays out all the different questions, problems, things that don't look right. And then it talks about what the Democrats have admitted publicly 
They admitted they had a conspiracy. They admitted that it was well-funded. They admitted that they were trying to change the election. They called it fortifying the election. Others would call it stealing the election. But after they admit all those things, you again have to say to yourself, knowing human nature, did these people who had tens of millions, it looks like maybe hundreds of millions of dollars at their fingertips, did they know that this was the line they could stop at? Did they know, oh, we'll do only the things that we can figure out to lawfully do, or did they keep going? And did they know that they were doing things that were morally slash legally unacceptable, and they did it anyway because they were so convinced that they were the ones that had the right to do what they did? You got to just listen, 22 minutes, almost a little bit less than 23 minutes. Mike Lindell, frankspeech.com. You can get to it through there, or I'll post it up on social media. Very important to watch it. And when you're done, don't try to convince your neighbors to, that, that you know what happened. Just try to convince your neighbors to watch it and then ask them if they say, I've got some doubts, reasonable doubts. I wonder. And again, I'll say it again. Mike Lindell, American treasure, American hero. What a dude. What a dude. I'll tell you a story about that uh, later on in the program. Uh, anyway, we'll take a break. We've got some great interviews. John Schlafly coming up, among others. Be right back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Time to talk to John Schlafly. John Schlafly is one half of the team, the Schlafly team. They write the Schlafly Report and publish it each week, Tuesday night, at townhall.com, our sister site, also published and archived over at phyllisschlafly.com. Uh, John Schlafly is one of the senior officials at the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, plays a role in a number of organizations, and his brother Andy is a prominent lawyer. They write the column together. Their mother did it for decades. They've done it for about five years. And this week, the column is about uh, more about Fauci and mandates, and John John, um, yesterday I was ranting about the uh, insanity of the coverage of the quote-unquote unvaccinated, the quote-unquote, you know, mandate-resistant crowd. They had a political reporter go to Wyoming, and I swear he made up the quotes. You know, it made, it made people sound like rednecks talking about mama when it was his husband, a man talking about his wife. And my point here is that if you honestly covered the people who are resistant to Fauci, or to mandates, you'd have to cover, you know, 50 plus percent of the African-Americans in major cities. You'd have to cover lots of ethnic groups that don't trust any of these people. And yet the media makes it sound like it's one big Trump rally where people are not getting uh, vaccinated or wearing masks. And it's infuriating to me. So, first of all, welcome back, John. And uh, well, well, and well, what's your deal? You, Ed, I, and, you were, and, yeah, it, go ahead. and it sounds like you read our column. Uh, Ed, well, uh, because we, we made a lot of those same points. I mean, first of all, the media, as you know, they do interviews and put words in people's mouth. That's part of the. That's part of what they do, and uh, but even the New York Times that you referred to had to admit uh, when you get down deeper in it that you know there's just as much resistance to the vaccines, if not more so, among Democratic voters. It's not just. It's just not. It's not just Trump Trump supporters. It's not just uh, evangelicals. It's really there are large pockets of people. Well, there's 90 million Americans who have not gotten any of the vac- vaccines, and uh, and here we have Dr. Fauci who was on Meet the Press Sunday, and he was, you know, that number has has is not acceptable. Uh, people have to get in line. They have to be forced to do it, and. 
so the plan is that they will certainly, they were going to hurry up and complete the FDA approval of this vaccine. And then they think you'll have no excuse for not getting it. And Fauci said he believes that as soon as the FDA approval comes in, then the employer mandates will start coming in by the hundreds and thousands. And then everyone will be forced to be vaccinated. So that's what's ahead in the coming month or two. And, well, and, uh, and John, we're, ta- we're, we're, we're talking with John Schlafly, and what I started to rant about is that uh, par- part of it is the uh, miss, uh, you know, the abuse of so-called Trump voters and, and rednecks. And uh, they, they kind of, again, they characterize them as sort of uh, knuckle-dragging people who are deciding when it's lots and lots of people. I mean, the, the star quarterback who's considered one of the smartest quarterbacks, one of the most talented quarterbacks for the Baltimore Ravens, he, he was asked about this and he said, yeah, I, 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 by the way, happens to be African-American. He said, yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to get the vaccination. But my, my point here is the, is the two-step that you're doing. And and I want to underscore this for our listeners. I talk about the narrative machine, big tech, big media and big government forcing a truth. They define what it is, the narrative is, and they make you believe it's the truth. In this case, it is going to be the big government component is going to be, well, the FDA approved it. You can't object because it's not a temporary approval. It's not an emergency approval. It's just we know it's good. Therefore, you have no grounds to object, which is why I think you said it earlier. I was with on a call with you, I think yesterday, where you said the mandates are coming once the FDA says go because government's not going to give. Then then they have no reason that you can use. You, you can't say because they've taken the reason away. Isn't that what's isn't that what's coming? That is coming, and you can see what they're doing to our our U.S. military personnel. You know, the vaccine has been made available on a voluntary basis, and uh, but only about half of the military personnel have been vaccinated. Well, that's not acceptable, and uh, so the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, has announced he's going to require that everyone be vaccinated. But that uh, some of your listeners that may recall the flap over the anthrax vaccine uh, about 15 years ago. And um, that, too, was, you know, that was there was much resistance to that. And a, a, a judge ruled that the service personnel could not be required to be vaccinated with the anthrax vaccine. So uh, we're, we're going to have conflicts like that again. And why do we need to have these conflicts? Why do we have to have... Uh, this uniform, you know, somebody, this Dr. Fauci, uh, you know, basically making rules for the whole country. Aren't we a free country? Can't we decide for ourselves? Uh, can't we evaluate well, I, the I, pros and cons? And, and, I mean, the vaccine well, and, is not preventing COVID. That's the thing. You know, it has some benefits. Uh, I concede that. But it's not preventing people from catching the disease. So why is it being mandated? What's the purpose behind that? If that makes people suspicious, and rightfully so. Well, John, and one of the things is, you know, we sh- you can show a you can show a set of videos of uh, Biden, Kamala Harris, every Democrat in. August, September, saying, I'm not getting the vaccination if Trump did it. And then six months later, they're they're now saying demanding it. And and the point there is not that they're hypocrites. As I say, often hypocrisy is not a distinguishing characteristic in a politician. They change their mind all the time. They change their position. They do it in in one conversation. But on on the other hand, in this case, the institutions have been so demeaned. 
they, they like to trot out and say African Americans don't trust the the vaccine because of the Tuskegee ex, the syphilis experiments. Give me a break. They don't trust it because they look up and they just don't trust government. They, they're actually better than most people as a community. They like, hey, we don't trust you at all. So we've got diminished institutions that tell us trust us, trust us, trust us when we've been at least misled, if not lied to. But where does this end, John? Well, I think that uh, where does it end? Well, uh, perhaps it ends with a new administration. Perhaps it ends with a new Congress. Uh, uh, We have this is one of a number of, you know, dictatorial programs that have been uh, enacted by Biden or Biden's handlers, I should say, since he was installed in the White House. And they feel like they are the experts, uh, that they can just make these decisions. Uh, you know, a good example of that is the, 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 the CDC eviction moratorium. Even after the Supreme Court ruled that the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, has no power over rental property, uh, they th- uh, the CDC thumbed its nose at that ruling and, you know, issued yet another so-called moratorium, which prevents landlords of all size, small, medium, large, from uh, evicting tenants who don't pay their rent. And uh, it's an example of, well, what to call it. I mean, you know, we, people who do not believe in an independent, self-governing American people, but people who believe in the rule by experts. And that's where we are now. And we've got to put an end to it. Um, we're talking with John Schlafly again. The Schlafly Report is over at phyllisschlafly.com. They're all, all, excuse me, all archived there and uh, and also um, available, of course, at townhall.com. Uh, uh, Tuesday nights they post later in the in the afternoon, early evening. Uh, John, I, I asked you where it ends. Um, it's different than the vaccine argument about polio, right? Polio was killing kids, and the vaccine stopped it. Period. Yes. And although, as you point out, although, don't forget, I mean, for those who remember, and I was, you know, I was a five year old child at that time. And uh, the first vaccine was defective. And 20 percent right. oh, of right. the kids who got the first vaccine caught, got polio as a result. So, yes. So people were leery about it. But the later vaccine was effective. And I might mention that polio was much more feared as a disease than COVID. I mean, polio, the people had, the American people with children were very, very fearful of children catching polio. I mean, to a much far greater extent than we see with COVID. And so, but yes, with all due respect to a polio vaccine, and we're all happy about that, but uh, this is, a, you know, it's, it's a different situation. All right, John Schlafly, I got to run, unfortunately. John Schlafly, the column is the. Go ahead, sorry, John. Finish, please. And there, and there, of course, there were no mandates then. That was a voluntarily adopted uh, in the 1950s. There were no mandates. There were schools didn't right. mandate it. There were no mandates. That was uh, well, parents doing what they thought was best for their children. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, John, I got to go up, up against the break. John Schlafly, everybody. The Schlafly Report available at townhall.com and also archived over at phyllisschlafly.com. We'll take a quick break, everybody, and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. It's time to talk to my old friend, uh, the great Billy Long, congressman from southwest Missouri. Congressman Billy Long has the distinction, I think, of being the only auctioneer in the uh, U.S. House or Senate. Uh, But also, he was literally the first guy, the first guy or gal in the U.S. House, U.S. Senate, anywhere that thought that Donald Trump would be a, a president and actually said so out loud. It was extraordinarily early. And I uh, welcome Congressman Long to the program. How are you? Good, Ed. How's my old buddy doing? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. So listen, uh, before we get to some news that you're doing, I wanted to ask you about this news that broke this week that Mark Kind, is that his name, Kind or Kind, the congressman from Wisconsin, he decided not to run for re-election. Feels like the Democrats know the wind's blowing against them. Is that what, uh, is that, what that means? I think it's Ron Kind, is it not? Uh, oh, maybe. Sorry, uh, you're right. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Sorry, Ron. Yep, sorry. Yeah, I believe it's Ron. Yeah, we had uh, really worked hard to kind of convince him that uh, retirement would be a good path for his future. So, uh, yeah, he he's got a great float future. He's got a great political future, but it's behind him. <laughs> uh, all right. So, uh, and I, my point here is that uh, the guys that are in office, even just for you know a few years, he's been in office for a quarter of a century, I think. But you know, you, you've been up there for a little bit more than ten years. You, you get a sense of the way the winds blow. And, and uh, so now, let me ask you: you you decided to to run for U.S. Senate. If you stayed in the House, it looks like the House may go back Republican. You know, you'd be back in the majority. It's kind of interesting. So you're sort of you're taking a bunch of chips, pushing them to the center of the table, and running for U.S. Senate. How come? You bet. I'm all in. I uh, I think that it's very important that we hold this safe red Senate seat in a safe red state, and we need the right person to not only win the primary, but to also win the general, and I'm the guy that can win that Missouri primary, and that's why I'm in the race. Uh, whoever wins my seat, I have the confidence it'll be a good conservative Republican from the 7th District of Missouri, so uh, people say, well, why would you give up the safe seat? Why would you leave? You could get reelected as long as you want to be there. But I think that there's more important work to do to take back the Senate. Kamala Harris has broken eight ties. I'm sure she'll probably break her ninth tie with this three-point-whatever-trillion-dollar caboose that they've attached onto the train of the $1.2 trillion infrastructure package. And I'm fed up, and I'm not having it, and I'm going to do something about it. We're talking with Billy Long. Now, Billy, right before you announced you were running, uh, you were spotted. I'm not telling anything that wasn't public. They saw you at Trump Tower in New York uh, checking in with the president. Now, I don't think the president has formally endorsed anybody in the race, as he's been holding back in a lot of places, waiting to see how it plays out. But uh, tell us about your relationship with him when he was in office and and a little bit about kind of how you uh, worked with him. I, I think that in the book you wrote at one point, you mentioned in there that I was the one that originated the phrase Trump train, which I most certainly was. So that's how far back I go with President Trump. I told him I was sitting on the 26th floor, just him on one side of his desk, me on the other, no staff for him, no staff for me. And I pointed down, I said, when you came down that escalator down there, I said, nine days later, I tweeted my first pro-Trump tweet. <laughs> I was on the... I was on the Trump train early, and I never got off. Some people were very late the game. They were out there campaigning with other candidates for months and months against Donald J. Trump because they knew he was a joke. He wasn't going to win. He was a millionaire, billionaire from Manhattan. 
and they weren't going to have it, you know. And so they were trying to help other candidates. Then some of them reluctantly came around to finally endorsing Donald J. Trump, and then some got off the Trump train, unendorsed him. So we had all kind of maturations of things in that race. But I'm the guy that was with him longer and stronger than anyone, and he knows that. And he looked at me the other day in his office there on the 26th floor of Trump Tower, and he said, so you're in. I said, yes, Mr. President, <laughs> I'm in. He said, you're in without my endorsement? And I said, yes, I'm going to win this thing with or without your endorsement. I would love to have it. It would make it a whole lot easier. And in Missouri, you can get a three-for-one three sale. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, if I win <laughs> the, pri- the primary, I can win the general without spending $40, $50 million of GOP money to protect a safe red seat and a safe red state where – Right. You know, if not, you might have to put forty or fifty million in this. You can pick up Arizona, that seat we should have never lost. Put that forty, fifty million towards that race. Pick up the Georgia seat that we should have never lost. So you pick up Arizona, Georgia, and Missouri by endorsing the right candidate here. We're talking with uh, Billy Long, a congressman from southwest Missouri, who's now uh, announced he's running for the U.S. Senate. Uh, Billy, you know, one of the things everybody, and even you can hear I call you Billy. I mean, people, Billy Long was a businessman and a, and a guy, and not you know, you weren't a politician, never were a politician, don't come across a politician. What do you think is the next five years? You know, you elected to the Senate, you're going to get a six-year term, but the next five years, what what's the issues that facing Missourians? I mean, it's a little, it's different everywhere, of course, and you, you your district. Uh, the current district as a congressman, you've got you know urban. You know, Springfield's a big city now, and you've got farmers and all. But Missouri's a unique state. What's going to face the Missourians in the next five years? Well, our our police department. We're down forty seven police officers. This is a town of one hundred and sixty five thousand people, Springfield, Missouri. We're down forty seven police officers from one year ago. They're closing down hours at the police station because you can't find anyone want to be a policeman anymore because of defund the police. So I want to fund the police. In Washington, D.C., Logan Circle, not a bad area at all since July 1. There's been three middle-of-the-street shootouts there with drug drug dealers against each other, and they killed an innocent 53-year-old that had come to town to have dinner with his wife. They shot people hmm. with uh, you know, stray bullets, and I don't know if any of the intended targets were hit or hurt, but they have damaged and killed innocent civilians, and there's 200 less policemen, Ed, in Washington, D.C. now. So that's one thing that affects the entire country, is we need to fund the police. We don't need to defund That's probably one reason Ron Kine decided to go home. He knows that it's going to be a landslide for Republicans in the House in 2022. He knew he couldn't get reelected, so he's taking the, the easy way out. I went down to the border with President Trump. It may have been four weeks ago or so. And you don't even need to go to the border, Ed, to go see the border problem. All you need to do is go to the McAllen Airport and stand there and watch them load hundreds and hundreds of illegals on commercial airliners with no real ID, no driver's license, no passport, no identification of any kind. They give them a manila envelope, put them on planes, don't test them for COVID. Don't wait. They have to wear a mask on a plane like all of us, but when they come across the border, they're not wearing masks, they're not getting tested for COVID. And they're flying them all over the United States. And then the cities they're sending these folks to, they don't tell the people in those cities that they're coming in. And 1.2 million illegals have entered since Joe Biden got sworn in January 20th. And I'm fed up and I'm not having it. So that affects Missouri. That affects everywhere. They're flying them all over the country. A lot of them are affected with COVID when they get here. And so 
that's another area that I'm concerned about. Critical race theory. You want to talk about critical race theory. We're making children wear masks. We don't make the illegals wear masks when they come in, but we make our school children wear masks. No ID, no identification. They can't they see their teacher in a Walmart with no mask on. The teacher doesn't recognize them. And so they're losing their identity. They're all just maskless kids. And now we're telling them, you know, you got to mask up again in schools. And we're also, by the way, going to tell you that you're a terrible person, that you're a racist little kid. You're a racist. And we need to throw out critical race theory. And that not only affects every uh, everything, uh everywhere but it uh right we gotta got to get rid of that so it doesn't matter what state you're in those three things i mentioned right there we need to fund the place we need to seal up the border we need to kick out critical race theory. uh we're, again we're talking with uh, billy long and uh congressman long uh represents southwest missouri and is running for the u.s senate uh well let me ask you uh, about um president trump i know he won't say if he's running again but is there any doubt that he's the key uh leader of the Republican Party in 2022. And it really, it almost doesn't matter who else tries to lead. He's the leader, right? I mean, this isn't a doubt. This isn't something, the, the pundits in Washington try to debate, oh, could be this, could be that. He's the, he's the leader of this party. I haven't polled around the country, Ed, but I've polled in Missouri, and 93% of the Republican primary voters are very, very fond of President Trump. So, yes, he is key. And uh, I saw him, like I say, in his office last week. And he's looking good. He's lost weight. He's ready for the fight. He's ready to go. So, yeah, whatever he wants to do with the party, it's the Trump-looking party at this point. Yeah, it is. Uh, I think you're right. All right, Congressman Billy Long, as always, what's the best website now? Not not your official site. Is there a campaign site up uh, that people can go to and learn more about your race? Yeah, it's really tough. You might want to write this down because it's pretty lengthy. It's really long. <laughs> dot com billy long dot com pretty pretty easy you can go on there and see my tucker carlson interview that i did i was going to announce on the 11th of august my uh, birthday party that i was running for senate and that got blown up whenever fox said well you're going to announce in missouri would you like to do it on tucker carlson i said in front of three million people yeah. sign me up for that so he, <laughs> he, scooped, he scooped me on my own special announcement i was glad that he did so billy long dot com we need folks help get in there and help us i'm running this race three feet at a time i'm going to every county 114 counties plus the city of st louis and these other folks are running to thirty thousand feet i'm running to three feet at a time and we need their help billylong.com and if they want a call to sign up to knock doors to volunteer for my campaign it's another easy number to remember it's 417 is the area code 88 fed up 417 888 <laughs> fed up that that's been my campaign number since 2009 i was fed up then and i'm fed up and i'm not having it now ed there you go all right billylong.com we'll put it all up on social media too thank you uh congressman long we'll talk again soon uh, good luck on the trail thank you buddy appreciate it all right okay we'll take a break everybody and be right back it's ed martin here in the pro america report back in a moment This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Hardly anybody ever gets prosecuted and convicted of election fraud. But, wonder to behold, two guys were convicted in Indiana. Former Democratic Party County Chairman Butch Morgan and Board of Elections worker Dustin Blythe were both recently found guilty of felony election fraud. 
Morgan and Blythe had conspired to forge signatures on the petitions that put Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton on the presidential primary ballot in 2008. Indiana law requires primary candidates to turn in 500 signatures from each of the state's nine congressional districts. These two guys faked 90 of those signatures for Obama and 130 for Hillary. She had a total of 704 signatures, which were still enough without the forgeries. However, Obama had only 534 signatures and would not have qualified. Had the crime been known at the time, Obama's name could not have appeared on the Indiana ballot. The forgeries were not very well disguised. It was a Yale University student who uncovered the scheme to forge names. He said the fraud was obvious because page after page of signatures were all in the same handwriting. The guys who faked the signatures didn't need to conceal their fraud because they were also the election workers responsible for verifying the petitions. There was no other safeguard in place. If you don't think election fraud is a problem, this case should be a wake-up call. It was election fraud that put Barack Obama on the Indiana primary ballot in 2008. Morgan and Blythe have shown us how easy fraud is and how easy it is for fraud to go unreported. How do we know similar fraud did not happen in many other states in the primaries or the general election? The events in Indiana demonstrate why we should work for tighter election restrictions to combat fraud because it really does happen. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. If you're busy taking notes, you can stop now because these commentaries in written form and spoken audio are archived on the website phyllisschlafly.com, many recorded by Mrs. Schlafly herself. If you're doing research or missed a day, just go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and re-listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. And uh, good to great interviews again. Thank you. Please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and sign up for the daily emails we've got over there. Excuse me, over there, the sign-up sheet is for a daily email. Uh, if you go there, just put your email address in. You get a daily email every morning, 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. Uh, West Coast time. goes right into your email box, and you can check it out. It's, uh, it is um, uh, a few of the links to good stories that I believe in, a few of our own uh, segments from the show and also over at proamericareport.com proamericareport.com you can um check in uh, on all these great interviews and listen to them again and pass them on to other people. All right, let me go back for one second, uh, pick up, I, I got a text from somebody in between that first segment and now about the Dominion lawsuit. It's true, Dominion has now sued Sidney Powell, uh, Rudy Giuliani, One America News, Newsmax, Patrick Byrne, and the question I have to ask at this point is... When are these cases, are they going to, I know one of the cases filed by Dominion in the last uh, 24 hours uh, was filed in Delaware. I think it was for One America News or Newsmax. The others are all filed in D.C. They should be consolidated into one case. And it should become a big monster case that we can see what the heck is happening. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not sure yet where, where that where that is in terms of procedurally, but we should find that out. Someone texted me and said, will there be a trial? Well, there could be a trial, but it would be a year, two years away, 
One of the realities in my mind of these lawsuits is whether the lawyers looked at it and found enough of a cause that it's not a frivolous suit, which I suspect they did. Then you, what you're really doing is helping to you're, you're trying to silence criticism, right? Because remember, in, in a year from now, right about a year from now, uh, maybe even 10 months from now, there'll be lots and lots of primary elections and a general election and the Dominion and others will have software and, and hardware that are in these systems that are going to be used. And if they're not used, it's a loss of millions of dollars. And so, you know, they, they've got to get their act together if they're going to business model or they're going to be done. So they, they, I don't know if there'll be a D.C. Uh, district court uh, trial or not. But we'll see. We'll see. That is one of the things that could happen and one of the things that is likely to uh, occur. Uh, one other text I got from somebody. What did I think of uh, the attorney general of uh, New York? I think she is, um, I think she is, uh, you know, did her job, which is she has said she would be a lefty, a leftist, and uh, and someone who is, um, you know, going to go after all the things like go after Trump and his family and go after the Me Too thing, all that kind of stuff. She's done that. Now, I, I do think she runs for governor. I think she becomes the darling of the left and runs for governor. It doesn't matter that the woman who took over as governor is uh, in place uh, now as governor. Uh, her name is Hochul, I think. I don't know if pronounce it like that. She'll be pushed outside. She's a career insider, a career uh, kind of uh, politician. She'll be pushed out uh, as quick as you can say, uh, you know, uh, Governor Letitia James. So you're going to see that move happen. Uh, one more tweet and uh, excuse me, one more direct message on Twitter. Uh, I did get a request back to de- to um, to uh, describe what was said. I haven't heard. Any more details about the possibility of the FDA chairmanship, the head of the FDA, Federal Drug Administration, uh, 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 administration, the big, a bit, the big um, regulatory agent agency, the White House was floating Zeke Emanuel. Zeke Emanuel as the head of the FDA. Zeke Emanuel is a bioethicist at, uh, I think, the University of Pennsylvania. I think that's where he is. He's a left wing one of the architects of Obamacare. More troubling, he's written repeatedly about his desire that we have uh, uh, end of life come uh, by suicide. In fact, he said he doesn't want to live past 75. He thinks it'll be too taxing and too difficult, so he doesn't want to live past 75. Uh, that's his position, and he thinks other people shouldn't either. Well, he was part of the Obamacare. Uh, he was an architect, they call it, one of the people that helped plan it. And that included, of course, those, those special boards called suicide panels by Sarah Palin so famously, but boards that would help decide who could still get care, who would be eligible for care under the system, and and what values would come into play there were Zeke Manuels and others who were on the special boards. Well, he's been floated as the head of the FDA. That Remember, the FDA is the entity that will approve what? COVID drugs, vaccinations, therapeutics, and remember what we I heard uh, John Schlafly say, and he's got a column about this this week, that one of the things that happens when the FDA approves a drug, it will be more likely, much more likely. In fact, it's sort of a requirement that you the, the, if you get FDA approval, then you can do a mandate because FDA approval, there's no objecting, right? There's if until the FDA approves a vaccine and the, the um, what do they call it? Emergency approval was really sort of conditional approval, right? Now, when they do a full approval. You, what are you going to, how are you going to object to it? Why are you allowed to object to it? And John Schlafly's point is that's what's coming next. You get FDA approval for these drugs, you're going to get mandatory requirements, mandates, because you can make the argument 
that you have to do it. It's, it's, there's no, there's no, um, there's no reasonable uh, objection because it's been tested by the FDA. That's the idea. By the way, the FDA is dominated by pharma. It's dominated by special interests. But can you imagine if it's dominated by uh, Zeke Emanuel and his values? So when one of you texted me, is that still ongoing? I haven't heard it was withdrawn. I have not heard it was withdrawn. So I don't know if the, the Biden administration, they floated it. A lot of times on a controversial appointment, you get someone that is floated by the media, excuse me, by the White House or by a senator or somebody to see what the response is. And then they go off the, they go off the reaction, they go off the response. So I'm not sure if, uh, if he's been withdrawn, but it, it doesn't matter. Because if that's who they're talking about out loud... That's the kind of values they're bringing to bear. It should worry you a lot. should worry you a lot. All right. We've got to go, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Again, visit uh, ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, tune in all these great interviews as well as uh, sign up for the daily email. Thank you, as always, to our great producer, Noah Dingley. Sometimes he's a star on his segment called Noah Says. I haven't had one in a while. i have to do another one soon. And also thank you to Joanna for helping book so many guests. We've got some good ones coming on. Billy Long, the congressman from Missouri, uh, earliest backer of Donald Trump. He's moving on up. He's going to run for the Senate. We'll talk to him later this week and a lot more. All right, everybody. Have a great, have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego.